One of the things I really enjoyed about the holidays was spending time with God. And, you know, you're just a bit more relaxed and you've got a bit more time. And uh, God was gracious to me. Numbers of times I heard his voice. Just some exciting things in my ear of what God wants to do in my life, what God wants to do here in Church Unlimited as well. And, uh, you know, I'm just praying that even as I share this morning, that each one of us will hear God's voice. You know, one of the biggest mistakes we make with preaching is we sit there and we come to someone who's wondering, I wonder how good this message is going to be. I wonder if they're going to strike oil. I wonder if I'm going to be excited by this message. And I hope you are. <clears throat> but that's a bit of a mistake. What you want to do is focus intensely and listen for the voice of God to you. That's a thousand times better than the best sermon you'll ever hear. Some of the greatest sermons that you might talk about actually didn't change your life. But some of the worst sermons you've ever heard, and I've preached quite a few of those, you've heard God's voice, and that's what's changed your life. See, I go to a lot of services and meetings and different things, and I sit there, and sometimes it'll be during the announcement God will speak to me. Sometimes it'll be during a song. As this morning, it was during the songs that God just reminded me of some stuff. That's why you sometimes see me get my pad out. It's usually because God said something to me, or I've heard something, or I'm reminded of something. I'll just make sure I jot it down. And so listening for the voice of God is just all important. And I want to really encourage you this morning as you listen, please don't try and assess the quality of the sermon. And you know, I once heard a preacher say, and I say it to myself, don't try and preach great sermons. Because you focus on preaching a sermon instead of imparting the voice of God and the heart of God and what God wants to say. And because you're so wanting to be polished and correct and have everything sorted out. Friends, that is a mistake. And so let's, as a church, let's model that. We're not after great sermons. We're after the voice of God. And not information, but transformation. Our lives being changed from glory to glory. That's just my introduction. But it's very important that we understand there's various, stage, various stages we go through in the Christian walk. You know, just like kids, you know, they're from children, they become young men, they become fathers. If they don't, there's kind of like what went wrong. In our Christian life, spiritually, we should grow from being children to young men and to becoming fathers. So our spiritual life actually develops, if I can get to them, in six stages. Let's start in 1 John chapter 2, 12 to 13. That gives us the basis of what I want to share with you this morning. And we read there, it says, I write to you in verse 12, little children, your sins are forgiven for, your, for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you children because you have known the father. And there's a few more things there. As we understand the stages that we go through as Christians, what happens is that it gives us strength. Hosea 4 verse 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. When you don't know and you don't understand, you don't have strength. But when you do understand, and you understand the six phases we go through, it's going to give you strength in your Christian walk. So stage one, obviously, is salvation. When God opens our eyes to salvation through Jesus Christ and what communion was all about, and we are saved. We're set free from Satan's grip, from being on a pathway to hell. We're now on a pathway to heaven. It is the greatest moment in any person's life. Nothing gets better than being saved. Sadly, uh, hearts of countless millions, even billions of people, 
Their hearts have never been opened to the gospel. They're not saved. I sometimes wonder, and I wonder if you do as well. Sometimes I, I look around the world and I look at most people in New Zealand, 95, 6% are unsaved, and I know I am saved. And I sometimes think of God, why me? What, what, why, why, why am I among the very few chosen, as it were, to become a Christian, be born again, to have my name written in heaven? It is, Father, friends, beyond anything else, the wonder of salvation, the wonder of being born again, the wonder of knowing Jesus. And I'll go a step further and say this. For a person who never finds Jesus and is not saved, it would be better if they had never been born. Think about that. Why? Because they end up in eternity suffering in hell, which is far worse than not even having been born. That's sobering thoughts for us, I believe, this morning. A communist man had a dream, and he saw this deep, dark hole of black emptiness. And then he looked up, and he saw this brilliant light. But then he fell into the hole, and he couldn't get out. He's terrified, and a voice said to him, look to the right. He saw a road uh, to the right, and it led to this light. The voice said, follow this road. And, uh, and he did, and he came to a church. But he panicked because as a communist, he'd never been in a church, and he despised Christians. But there he was, he found himself there. At the front of the church, he sees this big man with green eyes and straight brown hair. And the voice says, through this man, you're going to come into the light. Behind him, he sees sickness, sorrow, and pain in the black pit. He cries out for help in his bed. He wakes up later that day. He's sitting at his office desk. And a man walks in, and the man is a big man with green eyes and straight brown hair, the same man that he saw in the dream. He stares at this man in unbelief, and in time he gives his life to Jesus Christ and is set on fire for God. Friends, God will go to any lengths to get a person to salvation, because at the end of the day, all that really matters is whether a person is born again or whether they are not born again. But then we go to stage two, which is laying strong foundations. And to fully embrace what God's doing in our church right now, this new era, this acceleration of expansion, uh, we need to lay strong foundations. And it's at this stage we begin to really grow in our walk with God. 1 Peter 2 verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How do you grow as a Christian? The milk of God's Word. The milk of God's Word. How many know, people know how babies grow? Milk, is that right? What happens if a baby doesn't drink milk? Hello? Hello, it's not going to be a good result, is it? Friends, at this stage we begin, this is stage two, early stage of our Christianity, we begin to get established in reading God's Word. And uh, if we don't read it, of course, our growth is going to be stunted. It's also important that we do a new Christian study class or courses. And uh, we have one here which runs for 10 weeks, and you establish some strong foundations in your walk as a Christian. And so in, in that course, you know, what happens is, like any building like this, foundations are so important. We all understand that, don't we? 
Well, 10-week course of, of study doing New Christians class is so important. If you've never done it, can I encourage you? It's on a Sunday afternoon, I think at 4 o'clock um, here, just in the church here, to do that course because there are critical foundations that are vital because I, what I've found this is people who don't do that course or people who do the course, there's more chance they're going to be walking with God in a year's time, two years' time, five years' time, ten years' time because the foundations are strong. There you learn about getting baptized in water, which is a vital foundation, about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidence with speaking in tongues, another vital foundation. Friends, we can't bypass the foundations and expect to have a strong walk with God. You know, um, I did an extensive New Christians course once I got saved. I did it by correspondence, but it's quite lengthy. But the beauty of it was I got the basic doctrines the doctrine of man sorted out. The doctrine of sin sorted out. Eternal judgment, salvation. You know, all of those basic doctrines that are just foundational, fundamental. The second coming, all that sort of stuff established in my life. It built a strong uh, foundation course. Then I went to Bible college as well. Also ran some Bible study courses in the church that I was at prior to this one. But at stage two, are you with me this morning? Yeah. We also grow through prayer. Jude 1.20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. See, they say that prayer is the highest discipline of the human spirit. The highest discipline. You connect directly with God. And so the more you pray, your spirit just grows and strengthens and increases. That's why people who pray are usually strong in the spirit and can connect with God. So on stage two, if you don't mind me saying, which really is the beginner's stage of Christianity, we get our daily devotional life established. We spend time in prayer and in the Word every single day. Not a many amens here this morning. Somebody awake here today. It's foundation. It's stage two. Just stage two. Sadly, some Christians... Get to the end of their lives. They're still not sorted out. Stage two. Daily time. Not just two minutes, by the way. <laughs> Quality time in God's Word daily and time in prayer daily. Stage two. If we don't get that established, friends, it's going to be very hard to fully embrace stage three, four, five, and six. You can still go to those stages, but it's not going to be what it could be because there's a foundation being it's like you're building a building, huge building, but you're just sort of skipping on the foundations, but you keep putting on a second floor, third floor, fourth floor, fifth floor. You know what's going to happen eventually, isn't it? The lack of foundation is going to show itself. Show itself. At one of the stages, it's going to reveal itself. Stage two is also about belonging to a church family. That's an essential foundation. And God plants you in a church where you can grow, and fulfill his plan for your life. So let's go to Psalm 92 this morning. Psalm 92. <clears throat> Bit of a teaching this morning. I hope you don't mind. 13 and 14. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Who wants to flourish? Yeah, okay, you've got to be planted. Not just passing by. <laughs> planted in the house shall flourish in the course of life. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Wow. They shall be fresh and flourishing. So you want to bear fruit in old age. You want to be fresh. You want to be flourishing. 
you want to, you know, um, grow in God, you need to be established in a church family. Some people move from church to church to church to church, and they always say, well, God told me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's the oldest trick in the book, you know. Uh, I mean, because, you know, if they say, well, God's told me, you can't argue with that. And, but, you know, I mean, occasionally, you know, for some very specific reasons, uh, there may be a, a cause for a person to change a church. But, friends, if we go from church to church to church, it's like getting a plant, you replant it and you replant it, you replant it, the, the roots don't go, go down deep. And so then it's easier to shift again and shift again and shift again. And some people return to the church they were in and return three or four times and then go, away. I don't know. I don't know what that's about, but people actually do do it. But it's been very hard to uh, bear good fruit. At stage two, attending church every week. Everyone say every week. Thank you, choir. I mean, how good is this choir? I mean, you heard them this morning. If I didn't have to be preach, I'd be in the choir. <clears throat> you know, the ability to transform a service. Wow, that, that's, there's rewards for that, I'm telling you. Also, if you're not in the choir and you can't sing, join them. I mean, if you can sing. <laughs> Church every week's really vital to spiritual growth. I mean, I think we all know that, don't we? So new babies, they need two things. What are they? First one is milk. Second one is a family. Is that right? Pretty simple, isn't it? Same with Christianity. You need the Word of God, milk, and you need a church family. Stage three is we're using our gifts to serve God. So let's not stop at stage two. We're saved. We've got some foundations, but there's a purpose behind it all. At this stage, it comes a revelation. And this is a key word. A revelation of why we're saved and why we're on the planet. Some people don't get that revelation. They never quite see it. But once you get that revelation, then you realize that God has given you gifts. And he wants you to use those gifts to serve his people. Serving both inside the church and serving outside the church. At stage three, we realize that everything else in life, everything else in life is virtually insignificant in contrast to using our gifts and fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. You see, friends, if we never get that revelation, we'll chase after all these other things that the world chases after. But once you get that revelation, there just comes this burning passion within your heart to do what God's called you to do. You're consumed by it. Consumed. Consumed. Doing God's will. It's like your worst first waking thought. God, I've got to fulfill your plan. You know, I pray every day, every day, that I'll fulfill God's destiny for my life. Every single day, maybe if I'm traveling and there's a change in the, the hours and that, I'm, I may miss it. But see, friends, to me, there's only one thing that's important in life, and that is when I stand before God, that I fulfill the purpose for which he put me on this planet. 
and I'll do what I can to use all my energy and all my strength and everything that God gives me to, to please God, to do all His will, not just most of it, not just 80% of it, but by His grace to do all of it, friends. If you want to know what Church Unlimited is about, I'm talking about it right now. It's, it's the plan that God has for you. The reason that you breathe today, the reason you've got breath, friends. You see, breath comes from God. And in a moment, He can take that breath away. In a moment, it's gone. Why have you got breath today? Why do you breathe today? Why are you alive today? Because God needs you on this planet for a very specific purpose and calling and reason that He wants you to pursue and to fulfill and accomplish. We often say, you know, people die, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into this, this, the joy of the Lord. Friends, I'm not 100% sure that's as true as of as many people as we'd like to think it is. It's a very easy throwaway statement. But for those that pursue with every ounce of strength they've got, the reason God saved them, then I believe that can be true for all of us. Let's go to Romans 12, 1 to 2. Are we still okay? Sorry I'm back. I preach it pretty straight, don't I? Romans 12, 1 to 2. I beseech you, brethren. You know that word beseech? Man, I'm not going to get through this message. What am I going to do here? Four, five, six. Okay, let's just keep going. I beseech you. Maybe the next service will get it all. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. You know that word beseech? And it goes on. It says, uh, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know that word beseech? It's like a dying man being almost whipped to death and crying out for mercy. It's a desperate, desperate plea of one individual to another. And here God is beseeching you, pleading with all the intensity that he can muster. And he says, come on, present your body, all of you, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. Do not. Do not, friends, be conformed to this will, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's through this book that you may prove what happens after this. The good, let me read it so I don't misquote scripture, that you may prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now go with me. Stay with me for a minute. Okay. God, please with it. Present your body a living sacrifice. That's unreserved surrender. God, I'm all yours. Every part of me. I'm yours, God. Do what you want. I'm dead to self and I'm alive to God. We just heard about it in communion. God, I'm all yours. Present yourself. So we present ourselves a living sacrifice unto God. Then what happens? You then prove or you discover what is firstly the good will of God. Then it goes to another level. It goes to the acceptable will of God. You discover that. Then you finally discover the perfect will of God. A lot of people want to know the will of God for their lives. But they struggle with that. I want to suggest, it's not always the case, I want to suggest that the key is you've got to come to a wholehearted surrender. And it's almost like you say, God, here I am. Anytime, any place, anywhere. Congo, 
Kosovo, <laughs> Egypt, <laughs> Pakistan, wherever. God, you see, because what happens is this. If you think about it, God knows you mean business. Then he'll tell you what he wants you to do. But what happens if you don't mean business? And then he says something, and you say, oh, no, 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 God, I've got my OE all planned. I ain't changing that for anybody. So God says, okay, to save that person the condemnation of not doing the will of God, he doesn't tell them. Hello? Are you with me? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. See, stage one and two, the focus is on salvation, establishing strong foundations. But stage three, we learn to focus outward and serve God and serve others. And as we pour into others, guess what happens? God pours into us. Proverbs eleven twenty five: He who waters will also be watered himself. It's easy to take in a lot as Christians, you know, come to church and enjoy the worship, be led in worship, you know, enjoy the communion, enjoy the word of God and, and, you know, go to a small group and youth group and all that sort of stuff and you receive and receive and it's fantastic. We need to receive, need to receive. But friends, if there's no then giving out of what we've received, spiritually we slowly die. And I've seen that happen with lots of people over the years in our our walk with God struggles, and life just seems out of sync, and we think, man, I'm a Christian, I'm, you know? What, what, what's, what's, what's not right here? Things just don't quite kind of flow. It's not always the case, but sometimes, friends, we've not got to that place of now we're pouring out, we're using our gifts to, to serve God and fulfill His purpose for our lives. We can also lose our hunger for God. But it's vital we move to stage three, and use our gifts to serve God. But we can't stop at stage three. Well, you're going to get to stage four anyway. It's going to come to everybody. So let's go to stage four. And this is the dark night of the soul. And this is the most challenging stage. You could call it hitting the wall. What happens here is you come face to face with major trials, disappointments, even disaster. And it can shake us and even aspects of our faith. You can call it a crisis of faith. It can be a stage of questioning. Things happen that you never expected in your walk with God. Some be immobilized at this stage. Some lose their way. Some actually backslide. Let me give you a list of things it could be. It could be a financial disaster or a financial struggle. It just doesn't make sense. You lose someone close to you. Your parents split up. Marriage breaks up. You don't get healed. You get offended by something or someone. Well, you can't overcome a personal struggle. The list is endless. And this can be an extremely, extremely difficult time. You may even feel angry at God. Some people do. But God does promise not to test us beyond what we can bear. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God's faithful, not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, we've all experienced the dark night of the soul. I've been there. Things happened I never expected. What are you going to do, friend? What are you going to do in that hour? So you can back off, you can walk away, you can back and say, God, if that's, that's the deal, I'm out of here. But the reality, friends, it happens to everybody. It happens to everybody. And the key is, one of the keys is, don't be shocked. You know, t- our tendency is to look around everyone else and say, well, they've got it cool. 
nonsense. No one's got it cool, friends. Everyone's got their own dark night of the soul. It's just in a different shape. It's just in a different form. You have not been personally selected out for a very difficult trial. No, no. We've all been personally selected out for difficult trials. It's a way of life. It is right, you see it right through Scripture. And we don't need to go into people like Joseph and people like David. But the major key through stage five is having a right belief system of uh, biblical Christianity. In other words, having correct biblical expectations of our faith. In other words, we want to know what Christianity really is about. Not what you may hear preached, but what does the Bible teach? So let me give you some right beliefs. All right, listen carefully because I'll help you. Number one, not everyone gets healed. If our belief system leaves no room for someone not getting healed, especially yourself, then we may well hit the wall. Now, I pray to God you get healed, and most of us will get healed, but occasionally it doesn't happen. Or someone you love doesn't get healed. Number two, Christians and Christian leaders are not perfect, they will fail. They will do unkind things. Get used to it. <laughs> Some people are shocked when a, a Christian, they do something. Like that. <gasps> Give me a break. They're not Jesus. They've just been saved. That's all. And sin is alive and well in their lives until God deals with it. And some people are sinful in an area. See, where we judge people is an area we've got sorted out. And you think, oh, how can they be like that? But they're looking at you and going, oh, how can you be like that? Seriously, there are people looking at you today and wondering, and you're a Christian? Tell the person next to you, if someone's looking at you. It's, it's true. Let's get real, friends. I mean, people look at me. They know me and think, wow, and he's a Christian? Areas in my life? Absolutely. Because I'm not yet Jesus. I mean, I'm 99.99% of the way there. But I'm not completely there. Number three, bad things do happen to good people. How many of you reckon Jesus was a good person? I mean, how nice was the cross? Huh? See, this is biblical Christianity. We just got to get past the day. Well, you know, we're just shocked by things that happened. <laughs> what is going on here? How can this be? Just read the Bible is <laughs> all I can say. I mean, why should David be chased by a mad king with spears? I mean, what did he do wrong? He was just too good. That was his problem. Number four, suffering's part of the faith. Unjust suffering. Some things will be unfair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell the person next to you, unfair. Yeah. Yeah, unfair. If you've never faced something unfair, wow, you're really a blessed person indeed. Unfair happens all the time. All the time. In fact, probably every week. If you think about it, in your work, at home, you know, something unfair will take place. Number five, offenses are part of the Christian walk. Matthew 18, 17, offenses must come. 
One of the tests at stage four of our journey is responding right to trials. See, God wants to make us more Christ-like, and we become like Jesus in our response to suffering. Stage four, we want to so grow in God that we shock people with outstanding attitudes, our trust in God, our handling injustice with a good spirit. You know, people see you going through things and they think, how can you be so sweet? So how can you handle that so well? You shock people, why? Because you've gone through stage one, two, three, you're now at stage four. You're becoming mature as a Christian. See, children throw tantrums if they don't get their own way. Is that right? Young people hopefully are more mature and fathers respond with grace and humility. And they grow in God. So I'm not going to get through this message. Sorry. So I'll finish with my granddaughter, Emma. So she has a sleepover on Saturday night, Friday night. It was so bad, I can't remember. I think it was Friday night. So, you know, Zach's there as well. So we pray like crazy, she'll sleep through the night. And all is well. Till I hear the doorknob to my bedroom at three o'clock in the morning. And in waltzes Emma. Granddad. So, of course, we try and tell her to go back to her room and go back to bed. There's no way on planet Earth she's going back to her own room. And so we insist, you know, Adrian tries to persuade her, you've got to go to your own room. And the more you insist, the more she hollers and cries. And and if we had pushed it, she would have thrown a tantrum. Why? Because she's just a little baby. Babies throw tantrums. And so I had to get tough. As I said, she's not going to wrap me around her finger. And I just said to her, back to your room now. As she hopped into our bed. And slept there for the rest of the night. And I had about half an inch of the bed to sleep on. And she rolled over and over each way. And Adrian had half of the... She took two, three quarters of the bed. Let's have the musicians, please. The point is this. Grow. From children. To young men. To fathers. Don't get stuck at stage one. Or two. Or three. Don't get stuck at stage four or five or six, which you don't even know about. <laughs> don't get stuck. We'll get to those somewhere along the line. I'm not quite sure where. Would you please stand with me? We're going to sing.